So a quick announcement before today's podcast, just want to outline some of the options there are to support the podcast and to work with me. There's also an option now of coaching, coaching calls. So if you head on over to happymindset.com, you'll find out everything I'm about to say now. There is basically an option to become a member of the podcast if you'd like to be a patron of the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to us over the years and you've got a lot of value from the, the podcast, then there's that option. It's five euro a month. You also get access to a group Zoom call where we talk about creativity. We talk about some of the stuff that comes up in this podcast. It's basically a space to be around like-minded people who are interested in what we're talking about on this podcast. The other option then is to work with me one-to-one coaching. So today is the 150th episode. If you found value over the years and you feel that you might get more value from working with me one-to-one, then there's a coaching option on my website now. It outlines some of the benefits that you can receive from the coaching calls. So that's an option. And then the other option is to just buy me a coffee. If you feel that way inclined, just a one-off payment as well, that, that will help with the podcast, the growth of it. And the last thing I want to say, I don't think I mentioned this enough, but if you do enjoy the podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you could leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening to it too. It'll just help boost the ratings of the podcast and get it out to more people. So I'd be grateful if you could do that. So that's it. That was my little intro today. So thanks again for listening and uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to the Happy Mindset, episode 150. Today's episode is called Impossible. Today is another little milestone, 150 episodes. It's another marker, 100, 150. My goal is to get to 200 episodes by the end of this year. So that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I look at goals. I'd, I'd set markers that are achievable for me. I don't focus too much on the things that I can control. So what I used to actually do was I would set a goal in terms of downloads for the year. And what I found with that, that was very frustrating because I would just come up with an, an a fairly ambiguous, what's the word? Arbitrary, a fairly arbitrary just number that I felt I should hit by the end of the year. I always found that very frustrating I always felt inadequate when I wouldn't reach when I wouldn't reach anywhere near that those types of numbers. So what I found over time is what kind of what I'm getting into today, the impossible episode, is to focus on markers that you know with consistency you can achieve. So that's a process-driven goal there for me this year. I decided I'm going to get to 200 episodes this year. That meant that I had to increase the quantity of episodes just by four episodes because I realized that if I did if I kept doing the same thing from last year. I would get to 196 episodes, but I said to to Davey, I want to make this 200 this year, round out the year. So I just adjusted the calendar then, so that means that I'm publishing a podcast episode every six days to reach that goal by the end of the year. So I like those types of goals because that's completely within my control. Things could happen to me during the year, it might put me off, but... You're starting from a better place than to... If my goal was focused on the downloads, my focus would be very different. I would be focusing on what other people are doing. How do I increase it, increase the attention to this podcast based on what other people are doing? Rather than when I set a goal that I'm going to do 200 episodes and I want to focus on the quality, that I'm doing the best I can here, I'm making the podcast creative, that I'm getting across food for thought for people, for my listeners, 
So it's really focused on the product and the episodes each and the episodes every six days and what I'm getting across. And I also, it gives me time to focus on other things around uh, the podcast. So, well, as I mentioned in other episodes, my goal here is to create an animated short eventually. It'll either, it'll be in the next few years, I imagine. That's what I'm working towards. And in that process, I, I just kind of immerse myself. So what I've even done recently, I just buy t-shirts based on the episodes. I got a t-shirt on today uh, for the 150th episode. I've got some jumpers as well where I, I just play with this stuff because I really enjoy the imagery. I enjoy what we're doing here. So I make it a part of my day, my daily life. So I've got jumpers. I've got I've got uh, pictures in my room based on the podcast. And because they're all different imagery, if it was all just a logo that I was putting on my jumpers and my t-shirts and in my room, uh, that would be a bit, I feel that a bit weird, to be honest. Or I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't be something that I'd, I'd be drawn to. But because all the episodes are different and certain images resonate with me more than other images, I like playing with that. And it's immersion. So that's what you'll find with language learning. When you can immerse yourself in a language, that's when you're going to learn the language better uh it'll be it'll be easier to do because you're immersing yourself in it rather than just trying to learn grammar from books and not being immersed in it in, in an immersion can be artificial immersion we've talked to this in ep- other episodes or even immersion from going to the country just being around people who speak the language so i'm going to come back to the original title of the episode impossible so if you look at the title of this episode you'll notice that the im is in caps locks that's a little play on words that has helped me. I guess it even comes back to the the stealing from things. So I noticed that quote online one day and I was like, geez, that's, I think it was like some, was it Audrey Hepburn quote? It was, an, it was a quote anyway that I noticed. I was like, geez, that is a brilliant quote because it completely reframed the word impossible for me. So I am, I'm, the capital I am is just I'm, I'm possible. So that's another way of looking at the same exact word because that can be a very difficult word to encounter when you hear people telling you that this is impossible, this is impossible. Or what's worse is when you start believing something's impossible so you don't even try, you don't even go in the process of trying to figure out how to make this possible. So looking at that word, it kind of takes the emotional charge from it. It takes the meaning away from it for me because I'm like, if I just look at this word differently, it's, it's saying, the word itself is saying, I'm possible. Maybe the person I'm talking to, maybe they're telling me I'm possible, but not with this person. That's another way of looking at it. And this will tie into psychological flexibility. I've talked about a bit, this about, and even in the last episode, form versus function. So what, what I found very helpful when you start thinking along these terms where nothing is impossible, there needs to be a psychological flexibility there that you don't become obsessive that everybody else is wrong. There is an element of other people are right also. So that psychological flexibility is vital here so that you don't become unhealthily obsessive. Obsession, that's something I've struggled with over the years. I think you need obsession to make something work to actually create something new there has to be an element of obsession there because if you're just going through life like everybody else like a normal kind of type of person 
you won't have the mental energy to actually create something because you'll be so preoccupied by all the trivial stuff. You won't be able to discern the important stuff from the trivial stuff that easily. So there needs to be some sort of obsession there. So for me, it's grown into a healthy obsession. It used to be an unhealthy obsession for me earlier on in my, I'll say career. 10 years ago, when I started doing all this creative stuff, it was more of an unhealthy obsession. It felt like my life depended on making this work. And it was, it, there wasn't a relaxed nature to it. It was because I didn't have, I didn't have stuff like I do today. Like I don't have awareness around meditation. I didn't have an awareness around uh, the importance of drinking water every day. Didn't have an awareness of the importance of perspective in life. So there was little bits of that in me, but there wasn't an awful lot. And I wasn't very aware when I was becoming unhealthily obsessive. Another thing that massively helps me when it comes to thinking of the impossible is books. Reading biographies and autobiographies from people that have just achieved abnormal stuff in the world. Extraordinary stuff. So I've read uh, Steve Jobs' biography by Walter Isaacson. I've read Elon Musk's. I think that was an autobiography. Not too sure, no. I've read his book. Reading a book around creativity by Philippe Petit. I mentioned before, he's the guy who scaled the Twin Towers. Very fascinating person. He's a French guy. He was an artist, a polyglot. A lot of stuff going on in his life. He's still alive today, actually. A lot of of different things going on there. So it helps me to delve into these people's lives a little bit. Because you don't get these insights in mainstream media. I found the mainstream media, it's, it's too surface level. It's too fixated on things that grab attention rather than on the important stuff. So by humanizing these people, it makes them relatable to me. So even though they've achieved extraordinary things, I can see that these people also have aspects of themselves that were difficult to deal with. And also that a lot of their innovations and a lot of the stuff they've created in the world came from a place of solving their own pain in their life. So that's very relatable for me. And it makes it a bit more grounded. I don't feel like I need to turn into a superhuman being to achieve what I want to do in the world. I actually don't realize it's quite the opposite. It's acknowledging your vulnerabilities, your pain, what you want to see in the world. Acknowledging all that can help you to actually have the motivation and the desire to change something. Because I found that in my life, when I can see my life and accept my life for what it is, the bad stuff and all, then I've got a starting point to actually implement some change. I can see what's missing. Well, I might necessarily see what's missing, but I can see what I'm not happy with. And then I can see what what could be missing by reading books, by looking into other people's lives. What does their lives look like? What are they not struggling with at all that I seem to be struggling with? So if I can see a person who isn't struggling with what I'm struggling with, it gives me hope. It gives me the, the idea that it is possible for me to find a solution here. I might know what exactly what that looks like, but I can focus on what it could feel like, what it could potentially look like, and that will help me with my focus. So that ties into just more of a relaxed focus. I think you're turning on, a head, on its head also when you're focusing on the people who are helping you to move forward in life. So when I had an unhealthy obsession, looking back on it, the reason it was very unhealthy was because I, in some in some way, I saw people as the enemy, that they were kind of holding me back. They're telling me things were impossible, that I can't be myself, that I can't do the things I want to do. That was kind of the things in my mind. So in my mind, I was focused on uh, I was focused on people telling me what I can and can't do with my life. 
Whereas the relaxed focus has come more and more into my life the more that I've had conversations, connected conversations with people in my podcast who are also doing similar things to me and also just being a bit more vulnerable and a bit more honest about their lives. That's that's really helpful because I, I feel like I can drop my guard down. And when I can drop my guard down, I can relax more. And I can just also just focus more on what I want. The other thing I want to touch on here is... That's what I touched on a little bit there. We're talking about the pain element of things. It's also really important to not live in denial. But find a balance of seeing reality, seeing where we're at right now, but not focusing on the problem. Seeing the problem, focusing on a potential solution. I suppose COVID is a great example of this. So we're all living in this pandemic. We're all dealing with it in different ways. I find the way I deal with this best is to just see week to week, month to month, what are the what are the things I need to do this week or this month? I don't focus an awful lot on when, in, I wouldn't focus an awful lot in the future. This is where I suppose I learned it from the unhealthy obsession. I noticed when I had an unhealthy obsession about things, I was fixated on the future. So I was never really present and grounded. I was focused on, I'm building stuff now so I can get to a better future. So I was very, very focused on the future. What I found helps me with COVID is that it gets more difficult as this goes on longer and longer. But what's helped me is that I don't have a date in mind when this is going to end. I don't know when this is going to end. Back last April, I thought it would end within a few few weeks or a few months. I thought I didn't think it would go on for a year. And now this year, it seems like it's going to go on longer than we expected again. So what's helped me is to acknowledge that, accept that this is a situation that's difficult to deal with. Focus on the facts. What are the stuff that I need to do now that keeps myself safe, that keeps other people safe, so that I'm just being a bit responsible with that. And then shifting shifting it then. It's like, what sort of stuff's coming up for me right now on an emotional level? What sort of stuff am I dealing with even on a physical level? What sort of problems am I having? I'm having stuff that I'm challenged with both physically and emotionally. And that's why I channel that into my work then. I suppose talking about it a little bit on the podcast writing about it in my book at the moment yeah i suppose they're the two main mediums you know that I, gives me an outlet to express what i'm processing so i found that i found that really beneficial this year to understand the difference between a healthy obsession and an unhealthy obsession because what can happen too when you've got a healthy obsession you realize the importance of focus so i'm priming my environment here by having a few t-shirts Having a few jumpers that remind me of a podcast every day, having pictures in my in my bedroom that remind me of a podcast every day, and the stuff I'm doing here with the so it reminds me of the podcast. It reminds me of my writing. It also reminds me of, the, of what I'm trying to create, the animated chart in the future, which is it's all a challenge. It's all something that I get up in the morning, I see these images, and I'm like, I'm glad to wake up every day. It's not that I'm forgetting about the pandemic. I know what we're in, but I know where my focus is. I know where it's best. I also have the faith, I also have a feeling that what I'm creating here is needed. It's needed for the people who are struggling, who haven't come to these realizations already about unhealthy focus, unhealthy obsession, healthy obsession, who could be going through a lot of psychological turmoil right now and might need something like this. So the last thing I want to talk about when it comes to creating the impossible is something that could be easily overlooked. I would have overlooked in my life only for actually going through some experience with this. Part of creating the impossible, I feel, comes down to navigating chaos, embracing chaos, processing chaos, making sense of it. 
Because when you really think about it, if something's possible, it means there's already logic in place that would get you from A to B. But if something's impossible, it means that there is no logic that gets you from A to B. If it was if it wasn't impossible, it'd be possible. That's pretty much the two paths there. So the impossible part that can be counterintuitive, you could actually it could be when you're in the midst of your most difficult problems, that could be the bridge, that could be actually the entry point to walking the line of creating the impossible. That's something that's a shift, that's a reframe that might be useful in your life. Tracing it back to my life. I started a platform called Franglais Platform, like a Facebook page, 10 years ago when I was teaching an English teaching assistant in France. And the purpose behind that, the intention was to just make languages more accessible, to make it a bit more normal, and to also just share some videos on there that were culturally relevant, that they were short videos. Oftentimes I think there was like French subtitles, so it wasn't too inaccessible. But there was stuff that, you, that a, a, an English person or an Irish person would be watching. I think the in-betweeners, I was sharing kind of episodes of that. I think actually the subtitles were in Spanish and I was sharing with a student who spoke Spanish. Because I wanted to just give an immersion into the culture, the humor, the differences, start a conversation, start a dialogue around that. Didn't necessarily need to be in English, but it just start a conversation around that. So that for me, it was coming from just be curious about these people, give an experience where you don't need to perfectly communicate yourself, the goal here is to start communicating and then you get better at communication as you practice. Because what I found from languages in the traditional sense, where it's just so focused on having grammatically correct and there's a place for that to help you with your grammar and stuff. When you get so fixated on that, it can lead to a lot of self-consciousness around communication and we're not addressing the self-consciousness around communication. Because what I found when I was speaking French, when I was learning French, Speaking a second language brings up even more security insecurities than in your normal interactions with people. Even having normal interactions with people in your native language can bring up insecurities. So I found with a second language, it was doubly like that. Because uh, extra insecurities for me would be around how good I was at speaking the language and maybe people making fun of. I never had an issue with people making fun of my accent. I actually, I always focused on the women that liked my Irish kind of accent, the Irish kind of the hint of an Irish accent to the way I was speaking French. It was actually they thought I was British, really, to be honest. It wasn't even Irish. It was a strange one, but what they what I felt was that they liked something that was a bit different, a little bit of a different accent. Like for me, when I meet somebody who's French or a different background or speaking English, I kind of like ha them having a bit of an accent, a hint of a different accent. It feels a bit different for me. And that was the start for me of where I am today, what I'm creating today, at the backbone of this is self-education, bringing in a bit of French, a bit of English into this. And that was one of the components back then that started this. And so when I did that, I also created a blog. It was about speaking, becoming fluent in six months in Spanish and Italian. So again, that tied to making making language more accessible, more fun, more creative. Like remember when I was talking to them, that I was saying anything's anything's possible in life if you apply yourself. I was kind of saying this type of stuff. But during that process, I went through a lot of chaos in my life. Covered it. You'll see it in my book. You'll see it in kind of what I cover through this podcast. Sometimes I went through a lot of chaos. 
to the extent that I felt like I went down so much of a rabbit hole that I wasn't going to come back from it. I wasn't going to teach. I wasn't going to be creative anymore because that's when it all happened for me. That's when all the chaos came up for me when I was actually doing this stuff that I felt, I felt a sense that I liked doing this stuff and I got carried away with myself. That was the obsessive, unhealthy obsession it became for me because I wasn't grounded in myself. I had a lot of insecurities. Again, I was focused, I was focused so much on the people over the years who told me what I can and can't do and how to feel that it just came to the surface. Then when I actually found something that I felt that I was good at and something that I felt that I really enjoyed, I felt a sense of, I really like helping people with this. And yeah, so a lot of chaos came up for me there. And from 10 years down the line, I look back on that and I'm like, I needed to go through all that, even though it's hell going through all that stuff. I needed to go through all that stuff so that I'd have the empathy so I actually have genuine empathy, genuine creativity, a genuine sense of direction in life, self-education, self-knowledge. So like, I talk to people, I chat to people, I learn from people all the time. But fundamentally, I trust myself. I know that there's knowledge within me. I know I know where I need to go in life. And I trust that. Even though I don't know what it's going to look like in the future, I just trust that I'm moving in the right direction here as long as I'm staying true to myself. And staying true to myself, really, that's like, it's a feeling. I can't really explain that properly, but it'll be doing things that I feel require a little bit of bravery for me. Even having t-shirts that are images of my podcast, or even having them in my room, even talking about creating an animated chart, talking about creating a book, talking about all this stuff. For me, that that's uncomfortable. And the reason it's uncomfortable is because that's what's meaningful for me. And it's, it's uncomfortable to share things that are meaningful with people because there's a fear of rejection that you're encountering there so that's that's kind of what i what i would say there philippe petit's book covers that a bit about chaos when you read his book i haven't finished it yet but when you read his book you get a sense of a mind that is just so adventurous and there's so this is the thing there's rules to this game and there's no rules it's kind of the feeling i get from reading his book the way he writes. I enjoy that. It's, it's, it's different, different stuff. That's what I wanted to talk about today around creating the impossible. So actually the last thing I want to cover here, I always linked money with impossible. So I, I linked that if, geez, if I'm going to create a book or if I'm going to create a podcast or if I'm going to do an animated chart one day, then this needs to be generating a lot of money. But, but no, it's, it's really been prioritizing stuff. What I've found in my life has been I've sacrificed spending money in certain areas to channel it into this area. It'd be great if I can generate money from this, but that's not the breaking point for me. That's not going to be the reason I can't achieve the impossible for myself. And the impossible, the impossible, like 10 years ago for me, I was actually talking about writing a book 10 years ago, and that felt impossible to me. Now I've done it and it feels possible, it feels normal. That would be the same thing again. Like for now, like an animated short seems impossible to me. It seems impossible. It does feel impossible. I don't know how the hell am I going to do that. And I mightn't do it. There's an acceptance as well. I mightn't actually do this and I'm okay with that. But I know that's my focus. I know that that's something that I want to achieve. So I'm open to having different conversations. I'm open to seeing the world in different ways. Until I can unlock what's needed there to, to make that happen. But that's, that's, that, I just wanted to, to touch on that point at the very end because money would have been a massive block for me and it could still be a massive block for me if I, if I wasn't willing to just look, shift my perspective around this 
and see how I can make this work in a practical way for myself. Being flexible around career, flexible around a lot of different things. And I suppose it's that thing in life too. If something came easy to you, you wouldn't appreciate it. So when you're putting in the hard work to make this happen in a practical way, you appreciate it when you start to see things are nicely boiling over, they're they're starting to have more of a bit of an impact and things are starting to become a bit more clear. You appreciate that more when when you feel like you're on that path. That's what I wanted to touch on at the very end there with the money aspect. But that's it. Thanks again for listening, and I will speak to you on next episode.